What can you tell us about the new Star Wars film? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Why are you asking questions that we, you know we can't answer? Well, we can certainly say that we're absolutely going to make movies. Mm-hmm. We're sitting down with a couple of writers, and we're starting to discuss ideas, and we're starting to talk about what those stories might be. And we're recognizing that um, I think they could be pretty fun and pretty great. You know, it's really exciting because I think there's a whole generation of filmmakers that have been inspired by George and Star Wars, and and they're absolutely thrilled, excited, and daunted at the prospect of possibly being able to step in and carry the mantle of making these movies. And I think that's exciting, too, is that th- those new filmmakers coming into this franchise and and being able to take all the incredible ideas and characters and places that we can go within this universe offer incredible opportunities. One time said, would you consider playing an Obi-Wan-type character handing Excalibur down to the next generation? I said, when that, would that be? And at the time, he said, around, all around 2011. Mm. I thought, gee, I... As much as I'd like to have a job lined up at the turn of the century, I was figuring out how old I'd be at that point, and I thought, uh, well, I don't know. everywhere welcome to episode number 201 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe we're back <laughs> thank you wow it's good to be back i feel like we we're gone for a while has anything happened since we were gone <laughs> i don't know i think a new star wars movie might have came out but everyone's kind of forgot about that and moved on to the next thing it just yeah, it just kind of happened and then kind of disappeared from the discourse. Nobody's really talking about it at all, so that's good. Nope, it's crazy out there. It's still crazy out there. I think we said it back in in episode two hundred <laughs> a year ago, a whole year ago, back in twenty nineteen. Rise of Skywalker has come. It's still playing. People talking about it every single day. People waking up in the middle of the night. Good or bad, when you love something. You have a very intense reaction, and sometimes you just gotta just gotta talk through it. It's okay, but yeah, it's hard to believe, but it's done. The Skywalker saga is done. The sequel trilogy is done. The first kind of phase of Disney Star Wars is done. We passed what five? We have five theatrical Star Wars movies. 
since 2015, and we're now in a, a little break before we get back to theatrical Star Wars, and we're at the very beginning of Star Wars live-action television phase, which is exciting. So, yeah, it's crazy we're here. It wasn't that long ago that Star Wars was over. What do we do? No more. Which is funny because yeah, after Revenge of the Sith, it was like, well, maybe they'll just be this Clone Wars thing now. I don't know. Yeah, we just go back to being farmers. I'm just going to go plant some crops in my yard, tend the soil. I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's funny now with like, you know, we're right on the the verge of Clone Wars coming back on Disney Plus. And it's like, here, here we go again. And now Clone Wars is starting up, which is funny. It's kind of like maybe there's somebody there that thinks about this stuff. And it's like, wait, so Star Wars ended the second time. And then after that, we started the Clone Wars. And now Star Wars ended for the third time. And just after that, we're starting Clone Wars again. We've been here before. It's it's so crazy thinking back, though, because like we had always heard about episodes seven, eight and nine but it always seemed like this faraway dream. Is that ever going to happen? Maybe <laughs> it's like, are there going to be flying cars one day? And can we talk to people not on phones, but on televisions? Like, <laughs> well, and it was either, yeah, it was either no, George Lucas doesn't want to make those or no, those were never really real or no, you're just making that up or yes, he had ideas, but he's waiting for the technology again. Were there going to be 12 it changed depending on where you were reading or who you were talking to. And now, yeah, to be here. And they weren't quite what we would have got from George Lucas, but they're here and they exist. Yeah, it's it's a wild time to be alive. The George Lucas microbiotic world is now like the release, the non-special edition cut. It's like nobody cares about that anymore. Like what was George Lucas's plans? Now it's like... <laughs> There's JJ, there's JJ cuts and there's the Trevorrow version and there's what if this and what if, you know, nobody's looking into the microbiotic world anymore. If we're, if we're lucky, we got all Lucas's rough drafts as a comic book. Maybe in 10 years, we'll get Lucas's sequel trilogy outlines as like a holographic view screen thing that you watch in VR goggles and you become inside the macrobiotic world of the force. Maybe he'll just release it but just change all the names as a, as like a download into your brain audiobook or something i wish if you go to the his museum there'll be a theater in the basement showing this like a secret the secret version where all the names were changed here we got kira and skyler <laughs> they're fighting the bad guys doesn't even matter everybody it's just bad guys So opinions are all over the place, as I'm sure everyone knows. The people that love it, love it. The people that don't love it, clearly don't love it. And But he, when, I th- when I think back on it, like we were saying, for the longest time, these movies were never going to happen. Now they're here, and, you know, there's endless discussion about it, but that's always happened with Star Wars. And, like, in the end, if these movies did anything good or bad, whatever, they brought Star Wars back to a level of, I don't know, pop culture importance that has they hadn't been, I feel like, since 
maybe like the 80s, like the early 80s, like the height of the original trilogy, because like the prequels were a big deal. But yeah, if anything, the prequels are more of a big deal for kids and weirdos. <laughs> it's one well, it's, it's like, you know, and it's like you said, like one of the strengths of the sequel films was the fact that we cared so much about these characters. One of the things with Rise of Skywalker maybe is that we were so invested in these characters. And like you said before, like with the prequels, it was more the story than the characters. We were like, how does the clone army get made? How how are they going to put the Darth Vader helmet on Anakin? Well, and we knew where the main, and we knew what was going to happen to Anakin. And we kind of knew what was going to happen to Padme. We knew there were going to be kids showing up. Like even your attachment to the characters was not this total mystery and there was never like, well, I wonder what's going to happen in part three. Like, we we're pretty sure what was going to happen with Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and Padme and the droids. We were just kind of waiting for it to happen. And with this, yeah, like, no one even knew who these characters were. Force Awakens came out and we all fell in love with them. Last Jedi pushed them to their limits and pushed audiences to their limits, either good or bad limits. And then Rise of Skywalker pushed it even farther in a direction you were either on board with or not. But people are having a hard time coming to terms with that movie because they love, yeah, they love those characters so much. And if it wasn't for this whole Disney experiment, they would have never had a reason to exist. And without this Disney experiment, we would not have the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and two Star Wars theme parks in Disney parks that are going to be there forever. Long after the, the next series of films and all the TV shows and the next thing and the next thing, these crazy Star Wars theme parks are always going to be around. At some point, they won't even have to paint the dust and wear and tear and scratches on them because they'll just be 40 years old and beat to crap. <laughs> and it'll, it'll still it'll be the even more authentic Star Wars when you go to Disney World. It's like the, the, the old thing that was in those Kenner ads in the 80s, like Star Wars is forever. And like because of this bizarre Disney experiment, it is now. It's not something that's going to have another dark time where there's bendums in stores and all you can get is a random book every once in a while and you like it, you know, (laughs) like star Wars is never going to go away now. And that's because of this sequel trilogy and coming out and the force awakens really like if you, no matter what you think of episode eight or nine, you got to hand it to the force awakens for being the movie that it was and getting this whole ball rolling again. Yeah, because if no one would have went to see that, maybe at most we would have got 7, 8, and 9. Like, they probably wouldn't have stopped after 7, but that might have been all we got. We might not have gotten Solo or Rogue One or a Disney streaming service at all if they didn't have Star Wars as part of it to get people to sign up. There's so many things that have, yeah, that we now are getting and can experience because of the sequel trilogy. And if some of them are good and some of them are bad, which they're bound to be when you make a lot of something. Disney's not going to not make, maybe they won't make a movie every six months, but at some point there's going to be movies that come out that people love and there's going to be movies that come out that people don't. But 
there's at least going to be Star Wars stuff coming out that you can take or leave as opposed to nothing, which I would rather be in the world that has something. I always think it's amazing the huge appeal and everything of Baby Yoda and kind of what that did for Star Wars. Like, seriously, I posted it on, like, our Instagram. I was at the mall, and the Mrs. Fields cookie place had a cookie cake with Baby Yoda on it. And I was like, that's unbelievable and outrageous. And I was like, good job, Star Wars. You've made it to that level where there's a cookie cake at Mrs. Fields in the mall. It's very encouraging to see that the most Star Wars-y of Star Wars Dare to be cute, goofy Baby Yoda is the kind of stuff that bubbles up to the top and basically takes the world by storm. And it makes me happy that that's the kind of stuff that people respond to because that's the kind of stuff Star Wars should be. And I have a good, just a good chance it's the kind of stuff Star Wars is going to be more of in the future because that's what people are re- responding to. Well, and I keep thinking too with the kids that were eight, nine years old when The Force Awakens comes out because everyone's like, well, you know. Star Wars is made it for the 10-year-olds. And it's like, well, that's true. But also, there's very grown-up stuff in Star Wars, too. <laughs> but, you know, that's the beauty of the whole thing, that there there is, like, the, the adventure serial thing, and there is, you know, the deeper themes. And when you go back to it when you're older, there's the kids that have grown up with these characters that aren't on social media right now. Just like we saw at the 20th anniversary Phantom Menace panel, Last year in Chicago, 20 years from now, there could be at a celebration, which I'm sure there will be, there could be, who knows, a Rise of Skywalker 20th anniversary panel at a celebration somewhere in 2039. And we could be there in our with our walkers and false teeth being like, well, look at that. In the end, that's what it's all about. In, in hologram, George Lucas will come out and say, you know, J.J., I always loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to find J.J. in the back of a restaurant. <laughs> if you love this movie, then I love you. Except for he'll be like, hey, I don't know, in a car driving really fast with his head out the window, yelling at the camera. It'll be like John Hurt in Contact where he's just floating in space. <laughs> Want to go for a ride? And then Dio floats by. Happy 20 years. Who knows? I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Why not? Why, why wouldn't it happen? But I just keep thinking about that, that all of this, it's, it's brought more Star Wars to us. It's made Star Wars part of all of our lives again. And all the things that come with Star Wars part of our lives again. This was all really, it was a science project. It was an experiment. It was a test like what is Star Wars without George Lucas? Will people respond to Star Wars with George without George Lucas? How far from the original six movies can you go and still be Star Wars? How much will people accept? How much will they not? I mean, that was all stuff they've been figuring out what works, what doesn't work. You can't really figure that out unless you just do it. And they went all in and they just did it <laughs> and they did a lot in, in they you know, as much as there were times where it was kind of really heavy on the old stuff and nostalgia kind of stuff. They tried some things and solo was very different than rogue one. And like we talked about in the last episode, even 
the three sequel trilogy movies were all quite different from each other in a lot of ways. So there was there was a lot of ground covered with these five movies of just kind of seeing where Star Wars can go. And then now with the TV show, seeing how that was and how successful it's been, it seems like the sky's the limit kind of what they can do with Star Wars and have it still be Star Wars if they want to. When something becomes a cultural phenomenon, especially when you're talking about people who grew up with something that affected them, one of the things that's interesting about it is their perspective on that changes. Whatever it is they took with them when they saw it when they were seven is going to be different than somebody who saw it when they were 20 mm-hmm. as opposed to you know, older or younger. And I think that um, it's become a part of popular culture, it's become a part of the vernacular, it's got ideas in it that um, I think are very bonding culturally because they're shared by a generation. You don't ever really know why that happens. That I think is why the word that explains it is phenomenon, because it is a collision of things that you can't necessarily explain that George created that that spoke to people. They related to it in some way. It's, it, it hits something deeper than themselves. Well, it's, it's also, it's based on human behavior, human psychology, you know, uh, mythology, which is the, the uh, sort of archaeology of human behavior and thinking. And since it has those motifs, it, it is very universal and everybody can relate to it. So even as far back as like 1980, there were always the crazy rumors that this is a nine-part saga, like we were saying, sometimes 12. Like It was always weird to think about as a little kid, like, so wait, there's going to be six more Star Wars movies coming out or, you know? Like, well, yeah, because wait, waiting for three movies to come out was like your whole life, <laughs> right? Trying to think about three more and then... Three to six more after that. It's like, I'll be dead by then. What do I have to do? We're still one day going to do our episode where we talk to a doctor about staying alive. Because like we were saying at the beginning of the episode, this is never going to end. No. we we're, I don't feel like we're eating the right things. No matter what we're eating, it's not right. We're definitely not. We're not healthy enough. So there was an interview with George Lucas and Jim Steranko in Preview Magazine in 1980. And Lucas is talking about how he had one screenplay and he split it into three parts. That's the original trilogy. And the other two screenplays he split into three parts each representing the prequel and sequel trilogy. And he said in this interview, it's a nine-part saga with the beginning, a middle, and an end. And I feel like that always just kind of existed out there for people. And people would always be like, it's it's nine parts. He's always got nine parts. And... Some, I feel like some of the things from seven, eight, and nine started to move into Return of the Jedi because I feel like even in some of the Renzor books, like I feel like once he started getting into Jedi, he was like, That's it, no more. <laughs> Lucas out, I'm tired, <laughs> I'm divorced, I'm tired, I need a break. And then by the time we got to 97 and the special editions, it really felt like 
seven, eight, and nine were kind of off the books. He was saying all the time up and down, like just six, six of them. And he, there was an interview in 97 where he said, the whole thing has six episodes. If I ever went beyond that, it would feel like something that was made up. I really don't have any notion other than, gee, wouldn't it be interesting to see what, see Luke Skywalker later? But it wouldn't be part of the main story, uh, but just a sequel to this thing. <laughs> in 2008, he was doubling down on it. And saying it was the story of the rise and fall and redemption of Anakin Skywalker, which I, you know, I feel like all around that time, around like the prequel trilogy, when he was really saying, nope, no 79, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. But I think we, we all were just like, well, we'd still like to see that. (laughs) We'd still watch it. (laughs) Like we're saying the success of seven Working the miracle of that movie is because everyone did want to know what was next for this story. It was, you know, kind of like the, 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 like we said with the sequel trilogy characters, we loved those characters and we wanted to know, yeah, what did happen to them next? And I know maybe that's something that got in the way of the, the, the sequel trilogy in retrospect. Who knows? Well, and as much as you want to be on the light side of the force, Star Wars kind of sucks you to the dark side where you just want more and more and the more you get the more you want we're all kind of succumb to the dark side of we love this thing so much we don't we don't want to lose it we don't want it to die we want to keep it alive forever so just keep giving us more love can't save you star wars only by new powers can <laughs> so, may 2011 at uh, the opening of star tours bob Iger, of course as we all know was talking to george lucas about selling lucasfilm uh, before then, Lucas had considered directing Episode Seven before selling the company to anyone. Because this was like 2011, and the 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 sale to Disney was 2012, and even in 2008, he was just like, "It's it's Anakin's story, nothing else." You gotta wonder what changed his mind. What was this like? Let's do it. Let's do Seven, and he was going to direct Seven. And well, wasn't it just that he? He got married. He was serious with Melody. He wanted to not have to deal with all the Lucasfilm stuff anymore. And probably in his mind, he figured if there's another Star Wars movie, then someone's going to want to buy it. Because it is almost the Lucas thing where he kind of second guesses himself. It's like with the special editions. Like, well, we're going to put the special editions out because I don't know if people even like Star Wars anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's like, we, we do. We all do. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So he was probably like, well, everyone hated the prequels. Everyone's mad at me. But do people even like Star Wars anymore? Well, let me make another movie. And, and you know, if it's successful, then then if I try to sell the company, they'll be like, oh, great. We want to come in. We want to make two, eight, nine. We want to get a we want to get a piece of this. So he was probably like, well, I, got, I guess I better go write some write another movie or at least get it started. Well, no, cause he was, he knew, he knew that he didn't want to write it. So he got, he brought writers in this time. He wrote his outlines and he brought in Michael Arndt. Right. So the same kind of thing too, where it's also, so it's just like, no George, we, people, we didn't hate the prequels. <laughs> we're, 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 we've, we've just been waiting. We're, we're all, we're all, don't, don't listen to those goofballs. We're, we're, we're all here in an arena waiting, waiting for you. We put our black robes and our hoods on and we're chanting. <laughs> Even before the sale happened, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was on board in 2012 working, uh, with them. And they started working on this new trilogy. That was, uh, 
in June 2012, and the sale to Disney didn't happen until October. And as we all know, Lucas was on board as a consultant with Michael Arndt working on the draft. So when did he start? Who knows? You know, when Rick Carter was on board, the design team was going. You look at the art of Force Awakens book, and there's all that stuff with the Jedi killers and Kira and Sam and and a junk planet and Leia. And then the art of Last Jedi book, Luke on the island. And there's still a lot of stuff in those early, early concepts that we ended up seeing on screen in these films. I cannot wait for the art of Rise of Skywalker book. As everyone knows, we are <laughs> dying to see more of that. We're counting down the minutes. <laughs> well, and it come it now comes out on my actual birthday, so I really can't complain. Well, and there was a you know in in the Art of Force Awakens book, there's a lot of really kind of insane stuff that I'm not going to complain didn't end up on screen with the Darth Talon with the the Twi'lek and some 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 strange stuff but there you know and there also is hidden maps in a sunken death star and stuff too so they had a massive task in front of them though around this time when they were starting to build up these movies where like we we're saying how do you build upon the past honor the present make these for today's audiences don't this isn't the movies of the 1970s or early 80s and how do you handle this massive legacy and the outrageous expectations that come along with just the name Star Wars? And it's probably worth talking about now, even from the beginning, were they overconfident in their ability to do this, to decide before they even made the first one that they were going to make one every two years? Like, was Disney too aggressive with that? And was Lucasfilm... Too accommodating? Would things have turned out differently if they would have taken three years between each one? Would less people have seen them because it was too much time? Would more people have seen them because it was more of an event? Like that was a pretty big decision made early on that had pretty dramatic effect over what the sequel trilogy was, just saying it's every two years because the previous six, it was always every three years. So you know, a year is a long time when you're working on something that you just have a loose, loose, loose outline of what you want to do. It's it's going to be interesting going forward now because, like we said, Star Wars isn't going anywhere. But we're going to get a few years until the next Star Wars big screen thing. But in that time, there's going to be a steady stream of Star Wars coming on Disney Plus, which I think is great. Yeah, well, it's again, it's the whole, this was a science project and they were doing experiments and they were writing down their results and they're analyzing the data and it kind of sounds cold and not very artistic maybe, but it's not a bad thing to do because this is a different thing and they're figuring out, yeah, how to make it and more time makes it, more time between things makes it feel more like Star Wars. Not that the movies we got didn't feel like Star Wars, because they did, but it just seems like it's a lot of work. For something that's been here for 40 years, entertaining audiences, and something that George initially set out to do was a kind of three-act saga with these three trilogies, and 
I think we felt that we should honor and respect that, and we're taking the time to really look at where this is going from the standpoint of a saga. Not just looking at what the next three movies might be or talking about this in terms of trilogy. We're really looking at what is, what is the next decade of storytelling so that we can actually build the mythology. And I just, I feel really fortunate that I've got the level of talent invested in wanting to figure that out with us. You could say the Western was the last of the, last of the myths. Uh, and uh, I realized that it wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't a good situation not to have for young people some kind of a fantasy life that was very simply, there is good, there is evil, try to be good. It's essentially, it started on a, which it, all folklore is a, I would say anyway, a form of religion. It's a religious concept, which is, there is a God, there is a good, and there is an evil. Be good. The sequel trilogy is done. What are some of the moments that when you think of this trilogy define seven, eight, and nine for you? This this part of the story. Like we've talked about in the past with things from the prequels now, years later, becoming so iconic and basically just part of Star Wars as a whole. Thinking of the sequel trilogy, th- uh, Kylo's lightsaber comes to mind. It's definitely something that's hundred percent in your head it's the sequel trilogy and it's something that at first like maybe the battle droids everyone thought was weird or didn't seem right or like that doesn't remember when there was just weeks and weeks of weeks this doesn't make sense why would this work i'm a sword designer and this is just ridiculous you'd never do anything like this and and now <laughs> all these years later it's like it's an iconic Star Wars thing. His, you know, the cross-bladed saber, the jank, the janky blade, the saw, uh, chainsaw sound, wires hanging out of the hilt. Like, it's just an iconic visual and sound from the sequel trilogy. I don't, the first one that comes to mind for me is, I think, a, a defining moment is the end of Force Awakens when the lightsaber flies into Rey's hand. It's like that was the moment. I remember the theater I was in, the audience cheering. Two hours before that, we didn't even know who Ray was. And by the end of that movie, the audience was cheering as this lightsaber that held so much history flew into Ray's hand, is signaling that this is where we hoped these stories were going. I I just thought that was such a successful, cool moment. And John Williams' score in that and... Ben Solo's face, Kylo Ren's face, you know, like, whoa, what? It was just such a moment. Well, yeah, because everything kind of came together at that moment, too, because they they tried really hard to not give you any indication that Ray was going to end up with the saber and Finn had it on the poster. Finn had it on the trailers. The only the only thing that gave it away was crazy old Harrison Ford talking about how Ray. Daisy and Adam had a lightsaber fight. She's she's so good with the lightsaber. She's the next, she's the Jedi or whatever. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that everything in that movie, I mean, that was the, 
Han coming back to shoot the TIE fighters to save Luke so Luke could blow up the Death Star moment of Force Awakens is it was like, oh oh boy, this is a thing now. This is it's on. It's quite a way to start a trilogy. I still remember those first few days, everyone kind of thinking the, the score to Force Awakens was just okay. I remember talking to people about how, well, there's not really any new music that, you know, there's no, where are the new themes? I'm, I wasn't humming anything. Another week after that, it kind of sunk in and Ray's theme. I can't imagine Star Wars without Ray's theme. Kylo Ren's theme, as simple as it is, is that's the beauty of it. It's just, it's so simple, but you see a picture of Kylo Ren and those notes just play in your head. I remember I was in the parking lot of a Coles and we were talking on the phone. It was the first time we had talked after seeing the force awakens. And I remember you saying that and I was like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I was all over that soundtrack. I was like, you're nuts. Yeah. You're crazy. And I listened to the soundtrack before the movie. Yeah. That's fine. But yeah, now, I mean, like Jedi steps, like, it kind of set the tone for a, a, a different type of score. It wasn't quite as over the top as the prequel stuff and maybe not as simple as the original trilogy. It was like somewhere in between. But now three movies in, I mean, it, it has its own sound and it's it, its own feel. And you can tell it's Star Wars, but you can tell it's it's the sequel trilogy. Just like you can hear a score to the prequels and you're like, that's Star Wars. But I that's prequel music. That's it's, its own thing. I would have to, a defining moment for me, I would have to say uh, the whole ending of the crate battle in The Last Jedi between Kylo Ren and Luke. After Luke comes out and like all the all the First Order AT-ATs shoot at him and stuff. And I've always been a fan of his the less is more lightsaber fights, as I've said many times on the show, punctuated by the heartfelt talking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. I just think that's just, it's so well done. Mark Hamill's acting is so good. And of course, Adam Driver's acting is like incredible. And it's just, it's just such a great scene. And, you know, and then you cut back to Luke, you know, hovering in, you know, the, the, the Lotus pose on the, on the rock on the the chew planet. It's just, just perfection. It kind of highlights a difference between JJ style and Ryan Johnson style. And I get why the Ryan Johnson style, not everybody is into because I think there are times in his movies, and after seeing Knives Out recently, that kind of made me notice some of that back with Last Jedi of he does such a good job of slowly building and like dropping story things. And at a certain point in the movie, you can almost feel like, I don't know where this is going or I'm bored or something, but then you get to the the two thirds part in the movie and all those story things that were being dropped all through the movie all start to come together. 
And then all of a sudden they, they keep coming together. And then by the end, it's like all the pieces fall into place and you, and then you don't even realize it. And you're like, this is crazy. That's kind of like with the Luke thing, like so much stuff happens throughout that movie. And then all the pieces start to fall together. And then you're getting this crazy fight. Cause you're like, well, Luke's back. How's he back? And then, yeah, all the reveals of it being the force projection and everything. It's kind of like, if you're impatient, you can get, impatient but if you're patient (laughs) it just it really pays off and it wouldn't have been such an iconic moment i don't think if it didn't build so slowly if that makes sense you could say the same thing about all of last jedi where many people have like what's the point of canto bite and you know what's the point of this and what's the point of dj and all this stuff and so much of the point of all of it is delivered by who else but Yoda is who should be delivering the point. Cause Yoda is the, you know, the master of wisdom and tells you the whole point of the whole movie. And then you see that point acted out with the ending there with Luke and, and Kylo. It's just so well done. Well, it's almost, it is the, the companion scene to the Ray getting the lightsaber in force awakens where the movie kind of builds to that point. And you realize you're in for a treat, and this is this is Star Wars, and <laughs> you, you start headbanging and fist bumping because it just all kind of comes together. The resistance is dead. The war is over. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. And I will not be the last Jedi. He's in all three movies, but the introduction of BB-8, as much as the human characters, R2-D2 and C-3PO are so beloved for by everyone forever since the beginning of time. And the idea of introducing a new droid character kind of seemed insane when you had those two and how would anyone even like this new character as much? And they managed to pull it off with BB eight. He was baby Yoda before baby Yoda was baby Yoda. And I can't imagine star Wars without BB units and the secret trilogy would not be the same without PB-8 and his evil counterparts on the uh, First Order and just the concept of ball droids in general. Yeah, well, it's it's part of Star Wars now. We can't we can't have it. You know, it's just it's essential now. If I if I had to pick one last one, it's kind of general, but I would say just the characters, Ray and Kylo Ren, especially Ben Solo. Who would have ever thought that the like the like these characters would be as beloved as Anakin and Obi-Wan and Count Dooku and, you know, Luke Han and Leia, and that they would resonate as much as they do for every age of fan out there. That the fact that, like we said, the reaction is so strong to the rise of Skywalker or last Jedi or force awakens, even the, the whole, the whole trilogy People wouldn't care if they didn't feel passionate about these characters, whether the end result was successful or not for people. 
we care. And that's pretty awesome. Well, and I'll throw out there with characters too, that not just the main characters, I mean, Star Wars is as much about all the weirdos in the background and G897, PZ4Co, Maz Kanata, Babu Frick, DJ, Captain Kennedy, Phasma. It's pretty amazing that I don't have enough fingers to count all the background characters that I can't imagine that I spent so much of my life not having them in the back of my mind when I'm daydreaming. Tally, Claude, (laughs) Connix, Bulio, the little bug guy that's part of the resistance and Rise of Skywalker, every single person and Cantabite, the vampire people. The big giant guy with robot arms pulling a sled in Force Awakens. Master Codebreaker. We can't forget about Master Codebreaker. Lovey. I told those two, can't park. There's a private beach. That guy. Yeah. And it goes without saying, too. And we're going to get into this later as we uh, start diving into Saga Year at the end of the month. But it's like what these characters added to the overall saga and these stories. We've got something new to talk about with Star Wars, <laughs> you know? And in the end, that's all we can ask for. It was like, well, we got some topics. We got some things to talk about. <laughs> one shot ends. Another one where, begins. <laughs> I knew where I was going. Where do, where does Star Wars go from here? Well, we're having a lot of conversations about that. Obviously, we can head in many directions. Um, we're having a lot of success already with Mandalorian, so that's something we're excited about, and seeing the fans react to that is something that um, is important. So that could certainly figure in, in in a big way. So we're looking at all of that. Sequel Trilogy is done, and now we get into what's next. Where do we go from here? What are the lessons from the science experiment? We've, what's the, after the data has been calculated, we know that there is another Star Wars big screen movie scheduled for now for December 15th, 2022, if that date holds. Uh, people talk about it like it's 20 years away, but it's essentially the same amount of time from Rise of Skywalker that we would have had in between the prequel films, which sometimes felt like an eternity. And sometimes when it was a month away or something, we're like, we're not ready. So I don't know what Gabe, what do you think? What, what, what have we learned here? Well, it seems like we've learned that it's harder to make star Wars movies than maybe we thought. And that having more time is good, at least as far as the theatrical stuff. I we've talked about it in the Mandalorian episodes. I think I'm excited to, take a break from theatrical and just live in TV Star Wars land for a while. Mandalorian was so good and so much fun and just kind of so refreshing to be kind of simple and new with still being familiar that, yeah, just giving everybody a break from the Skywalkers and from the end of the world and all the ultimate evil and faster and more intense of just everything and just kind of slowing down and, Easing back into Star Wars, I think, is exciting. It, yeah, it's, it's like as much fun as I have had with the sequel trilogy. I'm glad the Skywalker saga is over because I feel like with trying to 
please all sets of fans and balancing the new characters and the original trilogy characters and all that. It's I'm glad that baggage hopefully can get put aside now and we can start fresh, hopefully with new stories, new characters, put everyone on an even playing field. It'll still be Star Wars. You know, there'll still be probably spaceships and droids and things that we recognize as being uniquely Star Wars. But let's let's not have Skywalkers, at least not in the films, because, you know, there'll still be Luke Skywalker in the Obi-Wan show, I'm sure. And they'll we'll still be hovering around that time in Mandalorian and stuff. But it's almost like the films now, if we're starting something new, like let's really start something new. And let's not have, you know, the people that say you're not a Star Wars fan if you weren't there in 1977 and all that garbage. You can't say that anymore because we're just starting a new story. I mean, that's what I hope. Yeah, I think that's what I'm most excited for. And even if this movie in three years is not that movie, we know at some point, hopefully before we're dead, that movie is coming (laughs) where it's, it's a new Star Wars story from the beginning in a new time period, new people, maybe there's Jedi's, there's probably the force. There's like you said, there's droids there's spaceships, but that's what I'm most excited about is star Wars. I've never seen before. So the prospect of that is a lot better now that we got the star Wars we've seen before kind of out of the way as much as I enjoyed the ride. Let's get wild. Let's see the new stuff. I mean, I've always been kind of against the idea of that there has to be one point person for a thing. That's not how realistically these things are made. There's always a lot of ideas and a lot of input that ends up going on screen. And I know a lot of the times fans like to just point at one person as that's the person responsible for all of it, you know, and that's just not realistically the way it happens. But perhaps looking at the three films that are in the sequel trilogy, I would be curious if as much as I love the last Jedi, well, what would it have been if JJ did all three or what would it have been if like the early reports that Ryan Johnson wrote the story for nine, if there was a cohesion between the three, because I think even if you love all three films, I don't think anyone could say that it's a cohesive thing from and not like any not like the original trilogy is well maybe it is a little bit more but you know what i'm saying yes well because the first six well terzuk is directed one two and three but even four five and six they were different writers they were different directors but there was somebody very hands-on steering the ship yeah i mean that's probably the biggest downfall i think of the sequel trilogy is because it went from jj to ryan to jj even if you love all the movies ryan johnson and jj abrams are like the dark side and light side of the force or the yin and the yang like they're very they're almost 100 180 degree opposites of each other with just how they approach a story and how they approach making movies that in hindsight it seems impossible that there would be a any sort of kind of consistency. Well, it's almost like, I guess if you use Mandalorian as an example, it's like John Favreau wrote the majority of it, but because it's a TV show, there was a different director for every episode. And you can tell those directors brought their own point of view and kind of interpreted John's scripts 
so that, you know, you get a different feel every episode, but it doesn't feel like a totally different show. And there's kind of a consistency and, and maybe because of the success of the show and really Star Wars has always been more of a TV show mentality than a movie which is kind of weird because, you know, the first Star Wars is George Lucas, who's all about writer, director, his vision kind of thing. But as it be- the sequels came along, it kind of became like the way a TV show works, where you have the showrunner who was George Lucas. He would have other people write the scripts and other people direct it. And he kind of just oversaw everything so that there was a, a consistency. Like when you watch a TV show, there's 24 episodes in a season and someone different writes everyone and someone different directs everyone, but it's, you can tell it's the same show. Star Wars is up until the standalone movies was a chronological serialized story. So it kind of makes sense to, to treat it more like you would treat a TV show. So maybe some of that will carry over into this next batch of movies if they're meant to go together. Cause it sounds like the other option they may be doing is just not doing trilogies or any sort of specific chronological stories. It's like, I think it's awesome that Deborah Chow is directing all of the Kenobi series that show from the first episode to the last one is going to be at least in terms of the look and feel and the pace of that show is going to be her vision, which is awesome. And who knows what they'll do for Cassian, but in, in it, I think it'll all depend on a story to story by story basis. Like what is the right thing for this story? But I think there definitely now is a positive to one person hands-on steering the ship. And, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is a very busy person. She cannot, you know, she can't do everything with the, the creative people. That's why she hires the people to tell the stories, you know? Yeah. But that's an interesting point because it, with, Kenobi, because I forget about that, 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 that's, yeah, they're going even more consistent with the direction of that than even Mandalorian because Deborah Chow is directing all of it. And I believe the writer, as far as they've announced, is just the one writer for the whole series too. So that may come across more like a single film just spread over multiple episodes. So it does feel like they're moving towards that direction, even if it's not as extreme as Kenobi of keeping a little more structure to the who's making it and how they're making it. But yeah, if we've learned anything is whatever we think they're going to do, <laughs> they're going to do something else. Keep us guessing. Well, it's like we said at the beginning of the episode, the only thing we know for sure, Star Wars isn't going anywhere. Star Wars is forever. It's, it's here to stay. It's like rock and roll. As long as there's Coca-Cola and Hershey bars and rock and roll, they'll be Star Wars. Keep it going. I'm ready to go, everybody. I'm doing this so that the films will have a longer life and so that more fans and people can enjoy them into the future. It's a very big universe I've created, and there's a lot of stories that are sitting in there. I get to be a fan now, which is what I was saying before, and I sort of look forward to it. Hopefully it'll be an inspiring package of entertainment that it has always been well, well, well in the future.
with two droids, a princess, and an evil villain. I must face him alone. What it was to become was the greatest phenomenon in the history of the motion picture industry. Just remember, despite Darth's dark, devious plots, rebels never die. Star Wars truly is forever. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know what we're saying. We say it every single week. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, reviews. If you like the show and you want to head over there, if you listen on something Apple, write a little something on there. Leave us a review. We will read yours in an upcoming show. We've got a couple that we'll catch up on pretty soon, I imagine. Probably, right? Probably. And don't forget to check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for the Super Chill Group on Facebook, where it's Blast Points all the time, and it's Rise of Skywalker all the time, and soon will probably be Clone Wars all the time as we get into the final season of Clone Wars in just a few weeks. Yeah. Speaking of Clone Wars, we are going to be talking about uh, every single episode over on our Patreon coming next month and we still have a couple episodes hopefully exclusive bonus episodes on the patreon this month in january so if you want to support the show in a different way head over to our patreon and uh become a member of the blast points patreon army and you can get all of our mandalorian episodes and you'll get all of our clone wars episodes in the future but that about wraps up episode number 201 here we're happy to be back we got we got some some really good stuff planned for the rest of the year. We, uh, saga year is going to be saga year a little different. This year is going to be the last episode of every month, and we're starting in January here with another Phantom Menace episode in just a couple weeks. Oh, who knew? It was so hard to get to twelve. We have to throw in a thirteenth in there, so <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be fun going through all 12 theatrical Star Wars movies again one month at a time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. But next week, next week's a very dark episode. Ooh. What's that mean? I don't know. Blast Points goes dark. <laughs> so, all right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, and then I got to go. Are we done? <laughs> we've, 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 we've never done this before. May the force be with all.